Welcome back for another show, Purposely Offside on 93.3 CFMU. We have a very, very special guest today, don't we guys? Special guest after a great holiday weekend. Um, it's good to be back in the studio. Yep. Um, but yeah. Do you have lots of turkey this weekend or what? Too much. I a, little, a little too much. Jordan, how about you? Oh, I can't even move right now, man. I've been wearing sweatpants for the last three days. Yeah, I had to take my belt off at work for the last few days because I just could not fit into my jeans anymore. Hear that, buddy. Just disgusting. Hear that. But yes, like we mentioned, we do have a special guest on the line. He is the NLL's all-time leader in games played, goals, assists, points. We are joined by John Tavares. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Is there a category you don't lead the league in? <laughs> uh, I believe tally minutes and release balls. <laughs> that's awesome yeah we were um your, your career was just incredibly impressive um playing Thank with you. the bandits for for quite a long time we do have a question we want to clarify though about buffalo have you had weck have i had weck we went to buffalo for a, a leafs game a few years ago and we we stopped down at a local diner and they said you have to try weck w-e-c i don't think i have it's probably a good thing you didn't because it's one of the most disgusting plates I've ever had. But they said it was a buffalo specialty. So Yeah, I just, they kept pushing well, it on us. Where did you have it? Dinosaurs? <laughs> I can't remember. the. I think it was one of those new uh, restaurants it by was the Yaki uh, Bank. There. It was at whatever their equivalent to real sports bar is. Was it like 365 or something right. like that? 716. 716, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Says, yeah, so that's they were right. pushing WEC and they said, this is a buffalo specialty. You have to have this. So. Just wanted to know if you've ever had that before. but I have, but now I'm interested to try. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, how about you tell us a little bit about how you got into lacrosse uh, in the first place? Sure. I grew up downtown Toronto. My older brother, Danny, played lacrosse for St. Christopher House, which um, played out of Alexander Park at an outdoor skating rink. During the summer, it was a lacrosse box, and I literally just played every day of the summer um, at that lacrosse box for many years. And then from there, did that uh, transition into, you know, playing throughout high school, or did you join, like, a um, local league, or how'd that during, work? Well, the league, I played for the Ontario Lacrosse Association, so St. Christopher House was an organization. It was also, um, it was a community center that helped keep kids out of trouble, and I played there until I was about grade 7, when uh, my parents moved from Mississauga. Uh, where I continued to play lacrosse uh, with the Mississauga Tomahawks as uh, we were a junior B, and then I played a couple years of junior A. Um, growing up, there wasn't really you know, a professional league to look up to or try to make, or there wasn't really much to play for, if you will. Um, I got on the, the scholarship kick uh, where I was in high school trying to get a field lacrosse scholarship. I didn't know anything about field lacrosse, to be honest with you. Uh, long story short, went to university in Canada, professional league started up, and played in 1992 in Buffalo, and history after that. Right on. Like uh, like Brian said to open the show, John, you're the, you're the leading scorer in National Lacrosse League history, uh, a legend when it comes to the sports. Can you tell us a little bit about how um, you prepared yourself every night to be the best uh, amongst the league's toughest competition? Well, I always made sure I was in top shape. I didn't want, uh, you know, my, my cardio to get in the way, so I was trying to capitalize throughout the whole game, but especially in the last quarter of the game or the last period of the game. Um, I definitely 
you know, studied the other teams with video more so now. You know, it wasn't a huge tool back when I played mm-hmm. until the last five, ten years. But uh, just studying the sport, studying players, studying officials, studying defenders, learning people's tendencies, and, you know, just trying to be creative, you know, not being one-dimensional. Um, always changing my game, adapting. You know, if they take away one part of my game, then i got to try to create something else. So uh, just forever changing my style, if you will. Later on in your career, were you working specifically with a trainer to work on that cardio, or was it just, you know, you'd go out on a, on a weekend and go for a long run and, and hit the gym by yourself? Well, I, I think I started with the long runs and going to the gym by myself. And when I started getting a little older, I want to say approximately high 30s, 38, 40, I started doing some CrossFit. And uh, CrossFit back then wasn't as popular as now, but I thought doing CrossFit probably had another five years of my career. So you talked about um, just now in terms of like changing your your workouts, obviously, as you were you're getting older and in your career as well. Um, your career spanned roughly 24 seasons. Um, do you think that was a, a major part in uh, like a key to your longevity in the league? Um, what do you think were some of the other keys that, that helped you stay in the league for so well, long? Well, I think obviously being a fit, I think the style of play, I was definitely more of a cerebral player. I wasn't the guy who ever depended on speed or strength. I just thought my way through the game and I definitely knew my limits and I try to use my teammates as best as possible. I never really put everything on my shoulders. So I think the combination of all of those is the main reason why I played so long. And one thing I'm missing is, is my family. My wife, Katrina, has been very supportive throughout the last few parts, few years of my year, my, excuse me, the last few years of my career. And I think having that support, you know, gives me a free mind, it's, you know, as opposed to having someone who's nagging at you and not wanting to play. Um, you know, my kids love watching me play, so I think it just kind of gave me extra motivation right. and incentive to continue to play as long as I did. Right. Did the uh, did the game change much throughout your career? Yeah, unfortunately, it got more athletic. <laughs> <laughs> so as the older I was getting, the guys were getting faster, bigger, and stronger. You know, back uh, 20 years ago, a lot of guys were working out to play lacrosse. You know, guys were smoking between periods, if you will, yeah. um, at least through some of the cross. So I definitely think it's a lot more athletic. They've got rid of a lot of the goonery, and it's 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 a more of a skilled game now. John, we often hear stories, especially with hockey players, how they're very uh, routine oriented. Whether it's you know taping their sticks a certain way, uh, maybe they listen to a specific song. In Sidney Crosby's case, he uh, he's worn the same jock strap since he was a kid. Apparently, this came out a few weeks ago. But uh, yeah. did you have any rituals or pregame routines that you'd like to strictly follow? Well, I didn't wear a jock, so I don't have a <laughs> But there's a couple throughout the years. You kind of try to find things that you you know, you know consistently did when you had a good game. And definitely I needed a pregame nap. Yeah. There was definitely you know, lucky shirts you wear underneath, but they didn't, definitely didn't carry from season to season. It was uh, in the season itself. Uh, not, you know, not really much, honestly. I... Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I tried not to be superstitious, yeah. so I just kind of, uh, that nap just is the main, the main thing that I needed before a game. Would you still get pregame nerves, like heading out into uh, you know, a big arena with, with a loud crowd and music and introductions and stuff? Would you still be nervous prior to the game starting, or did you learn how to uh, maybe manage those nerves later on in your career? No, I think I, I definitely 
still develops some nerve. I think it definitely gives it gives us some extra motivation and just you know lets me know that I'm really thinking about the game. And I I love performing for the fans, especially at home and uh, in Buffalo, and playing as hard as you can and just kind of give it your all. And I think I'm always uh, I'm always kind of nervous. And I thought I, toward the end of my career, I kind of got a little bit more nervous just because of how old I am and just making sure I don't want to embarrass myself and try to still perform as I did as a you know 30 year old. So I think early on in my career, I was definitely nervous, and maybe those nerves went away in the middle of my career, and then towards the end, they started coming back. I have a, uh, a cousin, John. He's actually, I believe he's on the Toronto Rock right now. If I don't know if he's on the main roster yet. Um, but what advice can you give maybe to some young athletes uh, that want to become, whether it's a professional lacrosse player or even just a professional athlete in their desired sport? Well, definitely someone who's trying to make their, their name or make a team. You definitely want to make sure it's prepared as possible. You want to make sure you're a good team team player, and you need to know your role as the guy you're trying out or a first-year guy on a team. Um, you know, you got to do all that dirty work and and uh, do the grunt work and and be a good team player and put the team first. You know, I think uh, you know a lot of people run into problems when they you know they think of themselves first. And if you're going to play a team sport got to be about the team so i would one you know work hard two be a good team player you know three do whatever it takes to uh do, do whatever it takes for the team to be better so like we mentioned very long illustrious and successful career uh not to put you on the spot with this question but um just on the top of your head what's your most memorable moment uh whether it was on or off the field well <laughs> it's like I've, I've been asked this question a couple times but it goes back to when I played for the Mississauga Tomahawks. My first ever championship, national championship, was the uh, got a game-winning goal in overtime in the Junior B Founders Cup Finals. And then second to that is 1992 Buffalo Bandits inaugural year, scoring the winning goal in, in Philadelphia in sudden death overtime. I would say those two. And you hear a lot of athletes when they describe moments like that, uh, they, they black out. Did you have a blackout moment in, in, in those examples? Or where you're just so excited, there's so many emotions going on that you, you just, you know, you're in the moment, but you're so excited, you sort of forget where you are for a minute. Wait, am I talking about like right now? No, no. Uh, <laughs> no, when you had those uh, when you had those goals. I would, yeah, possibly. It was been a long time ago. So those are two examples, but... Uh, it's funny when I, you know, you ask that question and I'm thinking about it. I can't remember how I scored the goal <laughs> in the Sounders Cup. I can remember the one in Philadelphia, and uh, I just remember the celebration after that. So I don't, I don't remember if I had a blackout or not. What was it like representing uh, Canada at the uh, World Championships there? It's, uh, it's obviously great to represent your country, but I, I admit that, you know, it's disappointing to see the, the lack of support for the game of lacrosse and not just because it's one of the you know Canada's national sport but I, I mean I'm biased but I think it's a great sport and it's unfortunately more people don't follow it and uh, I'm just a you know a person that wants to see the game grow and you know get the notoriety that it deserves. Glad you brought that up John because like I mentioned I have, uh, have a cousin who plays uh uh, on the rock and I remember he started a game and I was trying to look for a summer to watch it on TV and I remember growing up uh, you know when you played it used to be on Sportsnet uh, maybe even on TSN um, why do you think it's why do you think lacrosse doesn't have that kind of coverage on on television now 
I don't know. It's uh, I don't have the answer for you. Uh, it's disappointing that there's not enough. There's not more coverage of lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Like they just had the World Championships in Vancouver, and um, you know, mid-September, not a lot of sports on television at the time, and it can have easily show a lot of those games, or at least report them on the news. So it's very hard to even get wind of any lacrosse event across the country or across the continent. For sure. Um, so, John, obviously your, your nephew, uh, John Tavares, plays, is, is the captain of the Leafs, um, one of our favorite hockey teams, by the way. Uh, how excited are you for him uh, that he not only came home to play for the Leafs but uh, is now the captain of the team? Well, definitely I was excited when I heard he was coming back to Toronto. I was really pumped about that. I'm a, I'm a Leaf fan. Right on. And a Sabre fan and an ex-Islander fan. <laughs> That's it. But uh, the first game of the year this year when they announced him being the captain, I must say was very exciting to watch because I didn't know up until that point as well like everybody else. So I was really happy. Definitely a proud uncle moment. And, uh, you know, not only myself, but my entire family is uh, proud of his career up to this point. It's, it's exceptionally nice that he's able to share it here in Toronto with us. Absolutely. We couldn't agree more. Uh, John, we wanted to thank you for, uh, for taking the time to talk to us and, um, you know, explain your, your career in lacrosse and, and how you got started and um, had a lot of great answers. And we, we truly do appreciate you uh, joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for reporting on lacrosse. Anytime anybody wants to promote the game, I'm obviously, I'm obviously willing to help. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks a lot, John. John. Thanks, guys. Take care. And that was John Tavares. John Tavares, senior, the lacrosse player. He's a senior. Uncle John. Uncle John. We we, we should have called him Uncle John. (laughs) Are we at that level yet? Well, we're going to get there. That was just just the first step, right? I think the level we need to get to is figuring out that uh, phone, uh, the phone quality there. It sounded like this interview was being done on mars yeah there was that it's like a ufo yeah sound like a ufo yeah. what was that i don't know it, it would i turned the mic down a little bit to, to try and uh figure that out but it's okay maybe you know maybe john tavares has lit up this the stat sheet so much they're losing four two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the Leafs are. <laughs> but maybe john tavares the lacrosse player that we just talked to lit up the score sheet so much that you know He's just from another planet because that's, ta- that's how much talent he has. Maybe that's the uh, the noise we're hearing there. Absolutely. Who knows? No, we're super um, – it was but nice to have him on. Awesome. And, yeah. and uh, it was a good point that, that he brought up in a follow-up, nice follow-up question from you about yeah. lacrosse isn't covered by anybody. Yeah, and it's, it's funny he brought that up because, like I said, I was trying to look for the games on TV when my cousin was playing. Um and I was I was surprised I couldn't find it anywhere. You had to like, there was I don't even know if there's a streaming service that was offering it. You had to like go on this website and you had to pay. I can't even remember what the website was, but it was a, you had to pay something per month. It was some random site, nothing I ever heard of before. And I'm just like, how do we how did we go from like once upon a time having it on Sportsnet? I remember that. Yeah, I remember growing up. I see I saw it on Sportsnet mm-hmm. to to not be to having a hard time finding a stream. I just, I, I didn't really understand that. So that's why I'm glad he brought that up and I wanted to follow up with that because obviously he's the best lacrosse player that ever played, holds many of the records and, you know, he, he if anything, is an ambassador for the game. So it's it's got to bug him a little that, you know, the sport that he loves, that he grew up playing 
is not getting the attention maybe that it deserves in Canada being a national sport and all. Well, yeah, think about that. We we just spoke to, like you said, the all-time leading scorer in a professional sports league. And even he doesn't know how it can be fixed. Right. Like where, where is the National Lacrosse League going wrong in terms of promotion or trying to grow the game with young young athletes? Yeah, you're right. 100%. You're right. It's like we love hockey. We love football. It's basically like the two sports formed into one another, maybe a little less uh, physicality now, like he, like he mentioned, more about skill and speed. But um, you, get, you, you get the hitting. You got high scoring games. They're entertaining. They're have, inter- you, have you ever watched the full lacrosse game? Yeah, I know game? I have. Yeah. I've never, I mean, I've never played or picked up a lacrosse stick before, but I know people that have played and just like, like you mentioned, when we're younger, you see the odd game on TV or like you see like the NLL playoffs or like maybe the final um, on, on, you know, on a network. But I mean, man, they're intense games, super physical. They're a lot more physical than hockey is nowadays, that's for sure. And people that I know that uh, either play it or have gone far and it just, completely love the sport it's amazing yeah, which is why i can understand how it's mm-hmm. okay maybe it's i'm not saying it has to be the most popular sport um in canada or in north america but i don't know how it's gotten to the point where it's got no coverage i don't even th- hear it talk you don't no one talks I, about it i think Never. i think at least here i'm not sure about the u.s but i, I think they fall victim to the mlse umbrella you mean like they're like the odd man out in terms of oh, the coverage because the they're not sure. they're not an MLSE owned team. They're not covered by Rogers or Bell and other networks just because MLSEs has got them wrapped around their own teams. Mm-hmm. That I think they just kind of get the shaft, and like it, it's not just them too. Like the um, Toronto just had a rugby team win a major championship. The Wolfpack. The Wolfpack. Mm-hmm. They're getting promoted to the to the top tier in England next season wow. well where were they who were Did they facing hear? yeah I, exactly. I, I don't know much this about this is exactly what i mean i know about the toronto wolfpack i don't know much about them though so they we have were, not heard who, anything who, about who, it who are they facing here in canada though before they got promoted they were i think they were going up through the ranks was it a through the through the english league I'm gonna, like i said we're talking about yeah. this as if we've just heard about this for the yeah, first time i know we had the wolfpack and i don't even know that they got promoted to this to this league it's the top tier league in england that's very impressive Fun fact about The Rock, though, actually. The franchise was founded in 98 as the Ontario Raiders, who played out of Cops Coliseum in Hamilton, Ontario. The Raiders? Oh, right on. A little fun fact about uh, the Toronto Rock history, who won a ton of titles when we were growing up in like the early 2000s. Yeah, they were killing it. I always remember, like, they won a championship when, I can't remember what year it was, but they won a championship. A ton. They got they won a bunch of championships. 2000, 02, 03, 05, 2011. I, I, I guess we know why... We have an answer as to why um, they don't get coverage. It's not popular enough. I think the question for us is why is it not popular enough? Yeah. Right? Because they, they, it's a good product. It's entertaining. It's high scoring, like I said. And the best way to generate interests in a sport, especially in a, in a local area, is by winning. And Toronto did that because they were very successful. So it's kind of mind-boggling in a sense. But. It's a sport where a lot of hockey players growing up use it as sort of a an accessory to build their skills. Yeah, no, 100%. And, but it's that's it right there. Hockey players are using it as a secondary sport to build their skills to be a better hockey player. No no yeah. one's just enrolling in lacrosse generally just for the sake of that, just for the sake of playing the game. They're using it as a sport to better themselves for hockey. 
right? Yep. I got a guy that we can ask. Uh, Like I mentioned, I have a cousin who does play in the league. Drafted by The Rock. We'll have him on. We'll ask him. That'd be awesome. uh, About the state of lacrosse and what exactly is going on. It's important to talk about for sure. Yeah. It's it's a great sport. Entertaining, fast, physical. So, yeah, I've, I've always been curious as to why it hasn't really picked up, but... I mean, if you're not hearing it on the radio and you're not seeing it on, on TSN or Sportsnet, mm-hmm. who's really going to go out of the way to check it out, right? That noise, though. What was that noise? I don't know. That's <laughs> the first time we've had, we've dealt with that. But it was a, a certain thing where you don't want to cut them off and like, listen. It seriously sounded like a UFO was just, like, around us. Yeah, it's, I don't like, know. Like we were in Area 51. <laughs> what was that? Fun fact, we're actually broadcasting from Area 51. Yeah. How about that? What are you doing over there, Jordan, behind that glass? I'm just looking up information on this Toronto Wolfpack. Oh, yeah. You know what? The only thing I can think of, actually, is maybe in the other room there, they picked up the phone. Or the no. phone was off the hook. No, because when we called John, it did it. We had we heard that noise, oh, yeah, and then we right. called him again. And then it would just randomly happen throughout the yeah, interview. Yeah. Hopefully, it doesn't, hopefully, on the other side, it wouldn't sound that, didn't sound that bad, but it was pretty kind of freakish on our end. It's okay. Oh, well, we'll we, figure we it out. We make things happen. Technical here. difficulties here at CFMU. <laughs> Gotta love it. It's all good. What's I mean? What's a show without technical difficulties? Everyone has them. Yeah. Right. Can't all be, it can't be smooth sailing all the time. It was fun to talk to him though. Seriously, like like we'd stated, to talk to someone of that caliber at a professional sport, it's like it's like having Gretzky. Yeah, it's like having yeah or Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know, he he's the best the, at the sport. He's the Gretzky and Jordan of the NLL. And to give those out there just a little bit of perspective, uh, he played twenty four seasons. We mentioned that in the interview. All 24 seasons with um, the Buffalo Bandits. So clearly, a co- you know, commitment is very important to him. 815 goals, 934 assists over those 24 seasons. That's a lot of. That's a lot of goals. It's a lot of assists. It's a lot of points. I should have been more clear when I when I asked that blackout question because I've heard guys like Crosby <laughs> yeah. say when they score the golden goal, they ask him to relive that moment. He's like, I can't. Like I, I blacked out. You know, it's all. I think of- he thought you meant that. He was blacking out. Yeah, in yeah. answering the question. Yeah, I felt bad. I should have clarified that a little bit more. I hope he didn't take that the wrong way. But it's okay. I made Paul Hendrick uh, seem old last week. <laughs> we're on a roll. Yeah, we're on a roll. You just, called uh, Henny old. Just bat, batting a hundred with our guests. <laughs> no, that you know what? I, I don't think uh, no harm done there. Hope not. No, no. You don't want to offend anybody. Just text them. Can do that. Hey, are you sleeping yeah, over there? Yeah, we have a this show guy, here. Hey, it's just me and Brian talking up. here. What are you, you doing, You bud? guys are handling this pretty well. I don't think you guys yeah, are Yeah, why don't you I'm, contribute to the comments? It'd be nice to hear your voice. I'm snoozing. This guy's just on his phone. I'm ready to plug. For those, just to put in the context of what's going on, Jordan is behind a wall right now, and on the other side of the wall in glass, it's pitch black. This guy's mailing it in. So you can only see his head, and his head is down. I actually think he's sleeping. What did you learn about the I, Toronto Wolfpack? I'm still suffering <laughs> from the turkey hangover from the long weekend, boys. Oh, yeah? Are we boring you that much? What did you guys eat this weekend over the Thanksgiving weekend? Like, what was the, uh, what were the meals like? The huge. What's the huge? stuffing, a little gravy, a lot of turkey and ham. We did turkey Saturday and then leftovers turkey Sunday, Monday. That's the best. And yesterday. Uh, best part about holidays, leftovers. We, I didn't have turkey, though. I had, um, we had a porchetta. Hey. Mm different yeah different you know what i've never like been able to, to get in on gravy on on mashed potatoes stuffing you're not a gravy guy. you don't like gravy on hate it on mashed potatoes gross or the turkey disgusting so My, you don't like so you don't like gravy at all 
I could deal with poutine maybe once a year. So you're but just the, not a gravy fan then? It's gross. I don't even know what it is. What's gravy? Good question. Do you know what well, gravy is? Well, sometimes they have like natural gravies. Like when you cook like a, um, a turkey or a chicken, sometimes the juices that come from a specific, whether even a prime rib or roast beef, you have like the natural gravy from the, the meat um, or poultry itself. But the thick, the thick uh, brown gravy... Yeah, good question. I have no idea that, what that is. <laughs> the brown goo? Jordan, why don't you look that up as me and Brian close off the show? What's gravy? What is- <laughs> such a sad, dad combo. We have a research assistant on the other side of the glass here. <laughs> Kevin Gravel? <laughs> yeah. He must, have, he must be a minus uh, eight right now. So well, let, me, let me give you the actual... Let me give you the Wikipedia definition of I gravy. Can't, I can't believe we're doing this right now. Who cares? Let's see. The, 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 the sports, McMaster the audience has to show. know what gravy is. They this just a sports ate it show weekend. here. We just we just interviewed the friggin' all time leading yeah. scorer in the NLL. We're sitting here looking up definitions we're of close gravy. Close off the show with gravy. If, me, such, if the three of us don't know who it is, people who are listening don't know exactly. Question what gravy of the day, though, Brian. Like, what is gravy? Actually, I don't know. Right <laughs> Read it out to us, research man. I think we need some music. Do we need some music? I got nothing for you, buddy. So gravy is a sauce. There we go. First point. Made from the juices of meats that run naturally during cooking and thickened with wheat flour <laughs> or cornstarch for added texture. So, so that's what I said originally, right? <laughs> How do you know that? How do you know that? Everyone knows that juices happen to come off the meat or poultry that you're eating. But all I know, the Brian, gray stuff you buy in a can... All I know, Brian, is it's delicious. You need to jump on board. Jordan, to be honest, did you know know what Anthony knew? Of course not. So basically, I nailed the definition. But what I'm trying to say is, like, it doesn't, that natural gravy that you're talking about and that you just defined and that I defined is not like the gravy everybody in pictures. Everyone pictures, like, the the really dark brown gravy that Brian has on his poutines. (laughs) Right and or the, the or the ones we used to stock. Me and Jordan used to work at No Frills. <laughs> the ones in those cans. That, that's what I'm thinking of. Like, what is that exactly? Was that is that the same thing? Like, was that a product of some sort of meat, just stuffed in the can and, and turned gray? Originally, yeah, probably. or uh, brown. <laughs> I don't know. It's disgusting. All I know is it's delicious, and I smother my food with it. Yeah, so do I. So do I. Jump on board, Ryan. Yeah, you no. got to get on that gravy train. Hey. Hey now. Hey. <laughs> oh, boy. So are we wrapping up or are we still recording? We still got like four or five minutes. Why don't you go with a quick plug? He wants to wrap up, doesn't he? Why don't you go with a quick plug and then we're going to transition um, the show as we go into our podcast. So, so to hear more shows about gravy and sports <laughs> legends, continue to follow us at purposely underscore offside on Instagram and at PO Sports Talk on Twitter. Once again, you're listening to Purposely Offside on 93.3 CFMU. We also want to give a big shout out to everyone listening online at www.cfmu.ca. Okay, boys. So as we close up here on CFMU, um, obviously we always do a podcast after our 30-minute show. We're going to talk some Leafs. So audience, Purposely Offside, continue the conversation. We're going to talk some Leafs. And we might be a little critical. Is that safe to say? Of course we are. Or are we always? We always are. Should we not rely on Jordan to be the positive 
plug guy today. I mean, if all three of us are just attacking the Leafs like we did last week, does it get old after a I'm while? not going to attack them. I'll, I'll throw I'm some truth bombs at you. Yeah. Some truth bombs? What's the ingredient in those? Gravy. <laughs> Brown goo? Gravy and truth. <laughs> Positivity. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. McMaster, thanks for listening as always. All right. Brian, you want to wrap it up? Yeah, just um, thanks to, again to John Tavares uh, for coming on the show. It's a pleasure talking to him. Had some great answers to uh, some even better questions. We do have some pretty awesome guests coming up. We've been saying that all summer, and it's finally coming to fruition now. So it's true. We've been um, we've been lining up some great guests. Uh, we have John uh, Nyev that was on a few weeks ago. Scott MacArthur, uh, Paul Hendrick. We had uh, Vince Lace. We've had uh, some of our earlier shows, Anthony Romanu, Danielle Boyago. Yeah, Victor Razzo. Victor Razzo just had uh, John Tavares on. So, are we, are we going to hint at who the some of the next guests are? We're just going to keep it secret. Former Leaf. And then another huge, huge radio personality in Toronto. And then a, I'd say global, global actor. Movie star, director, writer. Yeah. And a huge sports fan. Funny guy and an unfortunate Habs fan. That's all we're going to say for now. All right. We'll talk soon. Right, guys, we got a lot to talk about today. Welcome everybody to Purposely Offside. Guys, want to talk some Leafs or what? I want to talk about gravy. Yeah, yeah that's and weck, uh, gravy and weck. Gravy and weck. What is weck? <laughs> still don't know. Some salty know. substance. So I mean, we, uh, me and the guys, we went to Buffalo um, two, three years ago. Can't remember what it when it was. Talked about it with Scotty Mack. Um, our experience in Buffalo wasn't that no, maybe it was that night. Actually, we go to uh, the Buffalo real sports bar. What's this called? Seven one six. And they, you know, we ask, you know, what should we have? What should we, what should we order? And they're like, you should order Weck. So we did. We did. We, we? didn't we get suggested. Preet ordered it. And I, was I our ordered buddy it. Preet that ordered Weck and you ordered Weck that night. Yeah. That day. You had, gross. Weck, you had Weck wings. That's it. It's a type of like you or Preet had weck wings. It's disgusting. It just sounds horrible. That that place probably has to be closed down by now. I'm just gonna switch my uh, auxiliary quickly. Can we just acknowledge how bad the food is in Buffalo and their sports teams? <laughs> well, we can't win there, so you shouldn't be saying that. True. We can't win in Buffalo. Shout out to Bills Mafia. Okay, so I'm gonna look up weck. Um, 
on Google. Okay, WEP is a, tic a, typical, a typical, sorry, beef on WEC is made from slow roasted, rare roast beef that is hand carved in thin slices served in a Kummel WEC roll. And it kind of looks like a roast beef sandwich. Is that how you remember it, Brian? I think I ordered something similar to that and pre-ordered the wings, like WEC spice or WEC flavored wings. I think WEC is like a, a way of like marinating or like salting something. I don't know. That's WEC. I'm showing you guys a it looks, picture. It looks horrible. Something like that. It looks, yeah. Yeah, it looks, looks pretty good. It just, it I don't remember terrible. it looking like that when we got it in Buffalo before the Leafs game. It tasted like salted puke. <laughs> now that was just you after a night of drinking there, buddy. Well, I remember when we... Man, I yacked in that hotel that's for why I at said least that. three hours. Speaking of the hotel, and this is why we always rip on the food in Buffalo. Remember the pizza we ordered? I was throwing up in the stairwell, so I don't remember the pizza. <laughs> you didn't have any, eh? No, I was yacking all night. Out. Man, how can you mess up a pizza so bad? It was literally... It's literally sauce, cheese, and like a topping or two. <laughs> This was like the cheese was just ridiculous. It was like triple cheese. We didn't even order triple cheese. The pepperoni looked like little turds. Ugh. And the sauce was disgusting. Who went and got pizza the year prior? Like the original buff night. Was Jordan, was that you it was, and Preet? It was me and Preet. It was honestly like the, the Jordan getting Rick Flair night. <laughs> and what was that pizza like? It was the coolest pizza joint i've ever been in my entire life and our good friend preaching will say the same but the pizza was good it felt the same pizza i don't really remember because we were absolutely ko'd mm -hmm. that night tough, you know we all know how that happened well you yeah like like i mentioned jordan had you were you were tarp off in key bank arena remember when i wiped getting out? your chest slapped by random people so that was the start of it <laughs> Remember when we were walking down the street and I fell off the sidewalk? That was and, one of the funniest I, oh moments. And I pulled that guy down with me. I had no idea who this guy was. And I just grabbed this guy by the shirt and I launched this guy onto the street with me as I as I fell head first onto the off the sidewalk. So you wiped out. It was bad. It was it was hilarious though. You guys were in tears. In terms of nights out, and I'm like excluding obviously weddings and, and all that kind of stuff, that has to be top two. If not the best night or best experience I've had with a group of friends ever. That was so that was twenty fourteen. We went it was me, Jordan, it was you, Brian, and we went with Preet. The four of us, we stayed at a hotel in Buffalo. All right. We went to, I remember going to the Holiday Inn L C B O. We went to the Holiday Inn, grabbed some drinks, went to the game. Great time. Um Yeah, I gotta rank that pretty up there. One of the best times. Shitty result, but an unbelievable game. Unbelievable well, it always game. is. We talked to Scotty yeah. Mack about that, too. It's that always it's in. always a bad result uh, when the Leafs go into Buffalo. We get hammered every time. Well, they get hammered, and so do we. So it goes <laughs> yeah. hand in hand. If we get hammered, and so are the Leafs. And speaking of you know, the Leafs getting hammered, right now they're losing 4-2. And not that they're getting hammered in terms of the scoreboard. It's only a two-point Washington lead. Um, blew a 2 nothing. But lead, they blew though. a 2 Yeah, they, they were up 2 nothing to start the first. Late goal in the first by Washington, odd man rush, I think. Yeah. So let's 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 dig into some some leaf talk here. Um and just you know, what what do you guys think of the team? I mean, we haven't talked about the Leafs since um I think they lost to the Habs or they lost to the Blues, sorry. 
what do you think? What's what, what have you seen so far in the games against? Because they're on a little bit of a winning streak here, right? They they beat the Red Wings. They beat uh, uh, the Minnesota Wilds. How do the Leafs look to you guys? Here's my take on that. Look who they're beating. Yeah. Ottawa, Columbus, Detroit, Minnesota. And they have losses to Tampa, St. Louis, Montreal. So right now they're they're beating the teams they should, but they're losing to teams that are the on cream par. of the crop in the NHL, like the playoff. They're losing to the playoff teams. On yeah. par or a better team than they are. Teams who are either looking up and uh, aspiring to be or teams that are right there on their on their coattails. Which they, so they, given an elite, given the elite team they should be, they should be winning those games. Small sample size, you're only looking at you know three losses really. The Montreal game should have been an easy W. You're up four one. You got to get that one. So technically, St. Louis and and uh, and it looks like Washington tonight. But again, premier teams that they're losing to. That's why tonight's game. I put a lot of emphasis on it because I'm like, okay, well, here's a chance to actually beat a playoff team. Yeah. Here's a team that won the cup two years ago. Um, the two nothing start was great. Cappen had a shorthanded goal, assisted on Mikhaev's goal. Uh, he's one guy we've been t- we talked about last podcast that he has to get going. Gets going, it's looking good. Hutch is a net. If he can if he can win this game, that's huge for Hutchinson. It's huge for Babcock's confidence in him. And and then uh, you know uh, Washington puts up a four spot in the second period, and they're down four two heading into the third. So. Third period just started um, as we're talking about the Leafs here. Did you guys watch the game, um, was it Tuesday night against the Minnesota Wild? Yeah. Caught most of it, just partially after the uh, the, the first. But I think we were, we were talking, uh, me and you were answering the way in, and like, like I said, they're, they're, they're beating teams that they should be beating. I mean... And post, Minnesota's a joke. Post game, I mean, Bill Guerin was talking about Bruce Brujo. They they didn't want to openly rip apart their team, but you could tell that they're they're just basically saying we're too old and we're too slow to even compete with these guys. And they were talking about it on the broadcast as well. Like they have a lot of cap issues. They got guys that are locked up for years. I think they're one of the oldest teams in the NHL. They are. I don't have their and average. They are. They're, they are. they're the oldest team in the NHL. They got they have like five or six guys that are in their thirties that they have locked up for like the next five years, which good luck trading those contracts. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it was just a young fast leaf team that, you know, Minnesota, Minnesota just couldn't keep up with after the first period. I don't know who the Leafs are right now. I think that's my issue. Um, we know yeah. they're a team that is good enough, obviously to beat the teams in the basement and that are probably going to become, or probably going to end off the season uh, in the basement of the league at the lower end of the league. So we know that, but they're kind of still like there's there's things about their wins that I'm not that don't that don't entirely sit well with me. Uh, we look against Detroit, we see a lot of their bottom tier players. So I'm talking about the uh, the bottom two lines, uh, lines three and four, basically dominated the score sheet against Detroit on Saturday night. All right, so that's impressive. It kind of shows that you have depth, but then you got the big guys. Up top, Tavares, uh, Marner, Matthews, Janssen, and so on, uh, that were absent during that game against Detroit. Uh, I don't think they recorded a point. And then last night against Minnesota, uh, you see a four t- in a 4-2 victory, you see Marner come out with three points. 
you see Riley come out with four points. You see Matthews get a goal. Tavares has uh, a goal. So that's good. I just, for a team that's so bad, like you mentioned, Jordan's slow. And for a team like the Leafs to have so much pace, the box score and the performance I watched still wasn't good enough despite the win last night. No, and just like we've analyzed these games up until now and just like thinking about it, their wins have come against teams who are not deep enough to compete with that offense. The losses that they've had are against playoff teams, cup contenders, deep teams, and they just shut down the Leafs. Look at the game against Tampa. Completely shut down. Completely shut they down. Nothing. Embarrassing. I was there. All four yeah. lines. Nothing. Seven they, three. They played a, they, the game against Detroit. Yeah, their top lines are shut down, but their depth got them the win. Mm-hmm. Same thing last night. That was just like I said. Last night's game was just against a team that just didn't have the legs to compete with them. All four lines are flying. And There's no stopping them. But the, they, yeah. they where they struggle is against depth teams that are on par with them but have a deeper decor than they do and they just get shut down and my concern with last night was we were down one nothing heading into so we we didn't play a good first period so again i'm not sure how many games in a row i think it was six games in a row the leafs led in the first goal of the game obviously that streak is broken again yeah obviously that streak was broken with Capitan's goal against washington but the leafs concede the first goal of the game again so they don't have a good first period they come out with four goals in the second period and and they obviously dominated the second period but here's the thing one goal by John Tavares was a bad angle and um, Minnesota's goalie should have had it Dubnik Dubnik should have had it okay the second goal was a power play goal by Mitch Marner which again I think Dubnik should have had just squeak through just squeak through his legs then, I don't know if you guys seen this, watching the game last night. Minnesota had a breakaway, mm-hmm. and the Minnesota player Hartman. that's not on the break, on the breakaway yeah. decides to cross-check and interfere with, I believe it was... Muzzin. Was it Muzzin? Yeah. Or, I thought it was Hull, but it was Muzzin. He called them out after the game. While his teammate is on a breakaway. And who knows, that could have been the 2-2 goal... But a bad decision by the uh, Minnesota pl- Minnesota Wild player. They go to the penalty box, Leafs go on the power play, and that's when Janssen gets that weird goal that goes off the uh, off the glass, and he just taps it in for a gimme. So it's three gimmies in that period is essentially what I'm saying. And then obviously you have the Matthews goal, which is probably the best goal of the game in the period. Do you not think this is just a product of a uh- – ton of new players and new faces like Hendrick mentioned last week yeah well that, that's that could very well be the issue the talent's there I just feel like right now it's just a matter of trying to put all of these new faces into a new team and it's not like these guys are coming over all from the same team mm-hmm. they're all coming together from different avenues of the NHL to the Leafs I think it's going to take more than just what seven games to figure right. it out and I think I think that you said it perfectly. They, they're they're figuring it out. Mm-hmm. I'm just I guess I'm a little concerned when I see a lack of creativity and a lack of out, a lack of our players outplaying their players, especially when it's a team like Minnesota. And last night, I think Minnesota kind of 
the Leafs outplay them, but Minnesota also gifted the game to us in some sense, uh, with especially those three goals that I mentioned. It's funny on the way in, I was listening to uh, to the game on on air, and you never hear Bowen really rip on the Leafs at all. Mm-hmm. And even him on a play of, on uh, William Nylander, he even said he's like heard that. Nylander's going to have to learn how to take a hit yep. or sacrifice his body in order to make a play. I heard that on the ride down yeah. t- to the studio. So you heard that as well. Yeah. And I was like, holy moly, Bowen never since when? rips on guys like that. Yeah, since since when? I, I've It's been a while since I've even heard him talk negatively. N- not negatively, but criticize maybe a little bit of uh, the Leafs play. And that, that really stood out to me as well. I'm glad you brought that up. And that's someone who's watching every single game, every single practice. So... He must notice it more than we would on just watching it or listening to it, yeah, right? Hundred percent. So, bottom line, they, despite this little win streak they got going on here, I don't think the Leafs are playing well. And maybe, as like you said, Brian, they're they're trying to figure it out. I think they're relying too much on skill instead of heart and determination. Mm-hmm. They know they have the skill. They know they can score goals at will. But if you're not willing to put the effort in, it's not going to just come naturally. It will against teams like Minnesota. Yeah, you're not going to score. At will against teams like Washington and St. No, Lewis. and that's what I'm saying, right? A- anyone else in that game last night versus Minnesota, and you guys know, just like I do, classic Tuesday night games. Leafs are flat. Crowd's flat. They've been flat almost every game at home this year. Yeah, well, they have. And that's something I was going to bring up as well. But it's just that classic Tuesday night game, right? Those Tuesday night trap games. Anyone besides Minnesota last night, you got Carolina in town last night, the Panthers even in town last night, they probably would have lost. I agree. Because there was a lack of creativity. You could hear a pin drop in the barn last night. It's a joke. Do you think, and you've kind of seen it tonight, with the lineups, the Kapanen Moore switch, you yeah. think that that was definitely necessary? I think it was necessary because Kapanen, for some reason, doesn't look comfortable playing on a top line. He looks more comfortable in the bottom six, and and tonight or last night's game against Washington clearly shows that because he has a goal and an assist. Game's not over yet. We're still broadcasting as the game's on, but he has a goal and assist. Are you? <laughs> so I think it's the right decision. But are you guys even surprised that happened? I, are you surprised Babcock actually I, made an in-game move? Because that's not the way the line rushes were before the game. I'm stunned. I'm yeah. stunned he did it that quickly. Like a few games, he's like, okay, yeah, let's let's just change it up. I, I'm shocked. I think he he's more flexible because they have Hyman out of the lineup and. You know, they have more flexible on the back end. But we've, and well, mainly you guys have bashed him before about oh, how I stubborn have. he is. He is very stubborn. Do you think this is sort of a, a Babs, no pun intended, changing the leaf a bit in terms of his flexibility with the lineup? Or is it just the fact that they're just, you know, they don't have a guy in the lineup, so they have a little bit of flexibility that he can just run with? I think... I think Babcock really likes Trevor Moore. He's playing amazing. And, and, and he's I think he's just, he's given a guy a shot that deserves a shot. I think he does deserve a shot at playing with those guys. But there's we know Hyman is coming back within the next two weeks. 
and we we know that Babcock is going to put him right back on that first line. That first line. But here's the thing: is he going to put him back with John Tavares and Marner, or is he going to put him with Matthews and Janssen? And I guess that all depends on the play of Trevor Moore right now on the top uh, alongside uh, Mitch Marner and John Tavares. So I guess it depends how how much chemistry do those three have? More Tavares and Marner. Uh, I guess will determine whether Hyman will go back on that line or will he go with Matthews and, and Janssen. You know who he is. I think, like, I think there's a thousand percent chance that happens that he's going to go back with Marner and for Tavares. sure. Yeah, I think I, I would say it's probably ninety nine point nine percent. But I, I'm just going on the, uh, out on a limb and saying you know how about if Moore plays really really well and, and they do develop some real real chemistry. It's embarrassing the amount of praise that Babcock's been getting. Uh, on social media and on on the radio, and including, I guess, from us, about how he made one in-game adjustment. Yeah, that's what playing, coaches are supposed to <laughs> but do. That's just, just first up. First up, played Alleluia today this morning. I don't know if you heard that. They played the, like the Leonard Cohen Alleluia song all morning as I drove to work today because he made an in-game adjustment. Isn't that sad though? That just goes to show how stubborn of a coach Mike Babcock is. That's why and it's a big the thing. The whole fan base knows all well, all the media and the whole fan base knows. And it, it's crazy how one adjustment. And like I said, that like, that wasn't an adjustment he made before the game. That was in game. Not even a not even a random adjustment. Adjustment that has been screaming at him in the face. You know he probably a hated guy, that. A guy though. that's clearly struggling and not playing well. And it took him a few games to say, okay, we actually have to make a change. I feel like he would hate something like that. Like I'm sure he hears it too. There's no way he can just ignore the fact that everybody's saying he should do one thing. He doesn't care. But I could see him hoping they won, but that line struggling, and then coming out in the media and saying, see, I told you so. Yeah. Well, And he put more back on there to start against Washington. Yeah. Which is nuts. Do you think that's Shanahan and maybe Dubas coming down and be like, you gotta, you got to get out of your ways, man. Like you got to adapt right now. I think it's more about how Babcock – is rewarding more because he's been pretty consistent since he's came in the lineup. I'd also argue maybe it's a little bit of Babcock knowing that the heat's on him. I agree. A little bit. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe a little bit. A small amount. Because I don't think there's any heat on him at this moment. They're, you know, they're four, four, two, and one. There's no heat on him this moment, but if if this team's not performing to the best of their ability, if they're not beating the playoff teams like they haven't been able to do thus far, and who knows if they you know what the end result against Washington will be, if that's consistent and we're seeing 500 hockey from this team 30, 40 games into the season, I think he can face a lot of heat. You think it goes that long? I think if they're 500 by December, he's gone. There's think, no time to waste. I think, can't. Wait, I think I'll wait till his lineup's back. Until I Wait till Hyman's back. Wait till Dermott's back. They'll shuffle around the lines again. They have to send okay. one or two guys down, then see how they play. The tags, let's be realistic. It's not like he's waiting for Matthews and Tavares to come back. He's waiting for a third-pairing defenseman, maybe top four, and a guy who's just going to... Hyman's a big part of the yes, team. Yes, he is. He's a big part but of the team. But don't treat so them so like they're Durman. Matthews and Tavares. Don't say, no. let's wait till those two guys it's come back. It's not that big of a loss, but, but Hyman's a big loss. Yeah, like this team should be winning games without yeah. You shouldn't need to rely Hyman on those two guys. That's not life or death without, without yeah. a guy like... Like Zach Hyman, but, but he, he is an games. he is an important part of the team, and he de- definitely adds something 
If, Especially to the Matthews line. And I've heard people say, oh, you know, the reason why Tavares and Marner aren't producing is because Hyman's not there. You're getting paid $21.5 million. You need to perform without a guy like yeah. Zach Hyman. Mm-hmm. So that's why I hate when I hear people say, oh, wait till the full lineup's there. Well, injuries happen with all teams. 100%. You got you to adjust as a team and as a coach. You got to adjust. With the skill that they have, they need to adjust. So I think I think by December first, if they're five hundred hockey team, and they're out of the playoffs, Babcock's gone. They, right now, I know they're four and two, but they're playing. F- they're, they're a five hundred team. I mean, they in lose my tonight, eyes, they're, they're a five hundred team. They lose tonight, they're five hundred. Well, they're four three, right? Well, overtime loss. Oh, true. Yeah. Right now they're four two and one. Right, so you they're, lose they're tonight. a very average team right now. They you lose tonight, technically you're four and four. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, for sure. Which is the worst start I think since twenty fifteen. Now, some could argue this could be a good thing, this slow start, because then maybe it entices them to, to really go for it midway and later in the season. Because over the last two years, we've seen the Leafs kind of get off to these great starts, play 500 hockey from December forward to the playoffs, and then kind of try to uh, turn it on right when the playoffs start. Maybe this is a different direction the season's going in. Maybe it's a, you know, a different, um, I don't want to say strategy, but a, a different trajectory, I guess you could say, that this team is going on this season. But like I said, Babcock's not facing any heat right now, but if this team is playing average hockey come December, like you said, I can agree with you. I think he'll... Just to spice I things think up. I think he might get moved because then it, then it comes to a matter of, are these guys tuning him out? I think at this point, yes. I think they are already scary you can i don't know you can just and that's something that if that's truly happening that Tavares now as captain has to step up and you don't know what's happening behind the scenes but you got to think Tavares should have a good sense of the room right now yeah where he could sit down with Babcock and be like listen people are tuning you out man people aren't responding to what you have to say you got to switch things up well this is this is what we talked about before the captaincy the whole when the whole captaincy thing came into play, this is where a leadership group is crucial. Is they act as that sort of liaison between, you know, their management, coach, and players. Like you want, like teams that struggle, you'll see, you'll see a, a players only meeting, and this is where that leadership group will step in and say, okay, you know, if certain certain players may not be um, more open or confident to go up to a coach and call them out whether it's in private or in front of the whole team and you know leaders like captains and, and alternates of they give players that voice that opportunity to voice their concerns as a guy in the room that can feel that they can trust and who they can go to with those problems and you know if they're struggling they'll they'll be open to to hosting a, a players only meeting where they can voice their concerns and say okay is this a, co- a confidence thing in terms of the coaching staff if that's the case then the, then it's up to Tavares and the rest of the captains to approach management, aka Dubis and Shani, to say, "Listen, we got we got bigger problems than just our play on the ice. We'll we, see. We need something to happen here. We'll see what happens. I guess after maybe even after we see the result of Leafs Washington, it's really but, early. But the, the narrative season. is already but. today coming out that the Leafs have been struggling against playoff teams, and if they lose to another playoff team in Washington." And if they have this reputation and they have this um, pattern of losing to playoff teams, it, it there's they're going to take a lot of heat in the media, like they already are. 
But I think there's going to come a point where John Tavares is going to have to play captain, or not play captain, be a captain, and maybe speak up for the media. Maybe you call guys out. Maybe you call the team out. I don't know. It's kind of like what uh, Steven Stamkos did before they faced uh, the Leafs last week. That was week. calculated, though. It might have been calculated, but who knows? Uh, th- there might become a point here. There might come a point where Tavares might have to do something along those lines. And, you know, it's different because we haven't seen a Leafs captain since Dion Phaneuf. And we haven't seen really a respected captain since Matt Sundin in this uh, in Toronto. But he might have to do something to get underneath not the skin of these players, but just kind of pump them up a little bit and motivate them because it seems right now they kind of need it. I think we wait. I think Tavares is smart enough now to, like I mentioned earlier, allow these guys to try and gel. And figure it out. Yeah, And figure it out because there are so many faces. I think if this is happening mid-November or early December, I think that's when you see him call them out in the media. He's probably calling them out in the locker room. Behind the door, behind closed doors, yeah. But... Especially in Toronto, and he knows this market probably better than a lot of us do, being the captain now. If you're going to come out and call out your team in Toronto, that is like national news. Yeah. That's leading every paper. That's leading off every sports show. You're hearing that everywhere. I, I don't know when it's, it's going to happen, but it's going to happen some point in the season. And it'll be huge. It'll, it'll be, be huge. everywhere. But that's what a captain does, right? He... He does it in the locker room, but maybe sometimes he has to t- he, he has to address his concerns in the media. And that doesn't mean he has to put someone specifically on the team down, but he can say maybe something like, our effort's not good enough. We got to be better. This is unacceptable. We're a better hockey team than this. Like, it doesn't have to necessarily point fingers in the media, but he can definitely allude to their lack of performance right now and how they should be a better team than what they currently are right now. And assuming they maybe go on a little bit of a streak where they're not beating playoff teams, he might have to step up and say something. This this is where I, I think the advantage lies with having a guy like Tavares be captain sure. over a guy like Matthews. Good point. The media, if, if John Tavares comes out and calls out the team, people are going to listen and people are going to respect what he has to say. Absolutely. If Austin Matthews comes out in the media and starts beacon off about the team, they're not going to respect his opinion. And it's, a, it's a strictly an age thing. And there might be some sort of underlying bias because he's an American. I don't know if I agree that they wouldn't respect Matthews's opinion, but I not can, as much I can, as Tavares. I can definitely see them respecting Tavares's. You opinion got a guy more. like John Tavares who's been a captain before, who's played in a, a hostile market like Long Island is a hostile market. They're they're incredible fans, but eh. it's not on the that's the size and magnitude yeah, of, Toronto. of Toronto. But like I said, they understand who John Tavares is, where he comes from. They know he understands his market. And they know there's obviously a reason for a guy like him to be calling out the Toronto Maple Leafs. So that's where I think the advantage lies with having a guy like John Tavares be the captain instead of somebody else. To, ha- to handle intense situations such as calling out a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs to the Toronto And media. to build off that point, like you said, Brian, maybe they have these conversations behind closed doors. Maybe Tavares as the captain is the one that knocks on Babcock's door and says, you got to be a little more flexible with he your in-game a, adjustments. Yeah. So maybe maybe more going up to his line. Who knows? We don't know this, but maybe it is a product of a respected captain and John Tavares bringing that issue to the coach. Because that, that change happened at the end of the first. Yeah. So you'd like to think Tavares maybe walked in there and said, hey, yeah, like you mentioned. Who knows? Switch things up, man. 
Gilmore used to do it with Pat Burns all the time. And I think, Jordan, you brought up a great point. That is the positive of having John Tavares. Because I I think even for Babcock, he's more willing to listen to a John Tavares offering suggestions rather than Austin Matthews. Now, this was unintentional last night, but the Leafs, when Matthews scored his goal against the Minnesota Wild, it happened to be Matthews, Tavares, and Marner on the ice. It was unintentional. This was not Babcock putting that line out there. It just happened the way the lines were were being changed uh, with with the in-game line changes. They happened to be on ice on a three-on-two. Is that something you'd like to see more from the Leafs? Maybe throwing out a power line every once in a while? Um, we know that they're on the power play together, but this is something maybe that you'd like to see late in game when they need a goal. Yeah. Throwing an all-star line like that out there. Maybe Barry, Riley, uh, Tavares, Marner, Matthews. I'd say I, I'd be hard-pressed to find a, a Leafs fan that would disagree with that. I don't understand how they're not. And are those the kind of adjustments you'd like to see from Mike Babcock going forward? You see other teams do it if they're down a goal or two. 100%. Just, what's the harm? Nothing. There's literally no harm in do. If you get scored against, who cares? You're losing. You're probably going to lose anyway. Well, it's like we talked yeah. about before. The rebuild's over. It's time to win. And that's why who I think... Who cares about your development of your young, your young guys? But it's that's why we're now. so critical. That, yeah. And that's why I say, yeah, they're 4-2, and two, but their last two wins... Eh, they weren't that impressive. They're, that's why I'm saying expected. that. That's why I'm saying it because they're expected. They should beat those teams. And like Jordan said, this is not a rebuild anymore. That's out the window. That's talks over. It's time to win. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's frustrating, and I, I won't believe it. I won't believe that uh, last night was a one off with with bringing more up until I see more of that happening. No pun intended. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> honestly. I want to see more of that happening. There's, there's, there's just no harm in switching up your even your backup goalie routine. Well, play I, Ander, play Hutchinson against yeah. Minnesota. Play Anderson tonight. The firepower Toronto has. There's so much creativity that they can have in a lineup in their in-game adjustments. And I, obviously, I think we can all agree it's not something Babcock has tapped into yet and taken advantage of. But there's a lot of ways you can mix things up on the fly with this team. They're very skilled. Here's the thing. I think we were extremely fortunate to have a guy like Babcock join us when we did. For sure. Something I didn't see coming. I think at this point for the Leafs to get over that next hump, I feel like Babcock's run his course. He's done what he needed to do with these players. He's developed them. He's taught them how to be a pro, how to approach the game the right way, how to be dedicated. He hasn't shown them how to win, and if, I, I just and I'm not calling win in the playoffs. Yeah, win in the playoffs. Yeah. Where when it that's when it matters. That's when it matters, and that's not a bad thing. You see teams all the time that you know they 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 have a coach for a while. He's just not doing it for them. They they fire him, and then the team just takes off. That's not the take away from what he's done for the Leafs. It's just sometimes a change is needed. Look at last year, Barube. Seriously, St. Louis. Yeah. Interim coach. How many times have you seen an interim coach win a cup? Mike, uh, Mike Johnson did it. Didn't um, – oh, my God. What's this? I'm drawing a blank here. Pittsburgh. Why am I drawing a blank on the name? Oh, this is a big blank. You got to look it up. <laughs> this is horrible, man. And why am I drawing a blank here? But it was Pittsburgh's – We're not uh, Penguins fans. Not, so the not, last two. Not Sullivan. 
Sorry, I'm Mike Johnson. Mike Sullivan. Mike Sullivan. But who was the guy before that? Oh, man. What up? It was Dan Bilesma. Dan, Dan Bilesma. Bilesma. Jesus oh, Brian to the rescue. <laughs> Dan Bilesma. Was he, wasn't he a first time? Yes, he was. Winner uh, mid-season change? Mike Sullivan. No, no I'm not saying you – because if the Leafs fire Babcock and bring in Sheldon Keefe, doesn't mean they're going to win a cup. Well, you know <laughs> Keefe is, is next in line. Like, if they fire Babcock, Keefe gets, Keefe gets a three-year, maybe $2 million a year deal. Sheldon Keefe will get all the opportunity in the world because he's a Kyle Dubas guy. Yeah, he's given right. three years, I'd say. And he's won with the Toronto team, basically. I, I think the, a guy like that, a little right bit now. younger, more progressive coach, would be more willing to switch things up. I don't necessarily know if that would be the that, – so that's the thing. He, if Keefe, a first-year coach, was coaching Matthews in his first year, Nylander in his first year, Marner in his first year, I think it's the wrong guy. They're in their fourth years now. It's time. It's time. Washington is up 4-2 with four minutes and 20 seconds to go. Why don't we ride out? We'll finish this that podcast. and we'll wrap up the potty. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll keep talking as the game is on so we can actually see the result in the game here. Um, I have a question. How do you feel? Yeah, go ahead. I'll go with your question and then we'll go with mine. What do you think of the defense? Oh, that was my question. <laughs> <laughs> so We know, man. I read each other's minds. Well, the, like I said earlier, Minnesota had two breakaways last night. One was obviously not seen through because Minnesota's player made a bad decision in cross-checking Muzzin. The other was stopped by Freddie Anderson. You're talking about a team that can't skate, has no pace. Somehow they had two breakaways. Very sloppy. T- sloppy all around. Not just the blue line, not just the defenders, but all around very sloppy defense, a lot of turnovers, and can't they still can't get the assignments right in their own end. I think they've just played poor in every game. Absolutely. Know, what do you think, Brian? I don't I don't think they've looked good at all. Like, yeah, you can tell you can talk about them racking up the points all you want. I'm sick of this talk Have racking up they, the points. They haven't played well in any game this year. They're when you look at your top four specifically. Aside from Muzzin, they don't scream defense, though. No. Do you know what I mean? So is this a surprise? Like, even even Tyson Berry, he's a great defenseman. He's Riley 2.0. He's, but he's Riley 2.0, right? He's going to get points. He's going to get assists. Defensive responsibility is not exactly his forte. But coming into the season, that's what that's what everybody was screaming at. But anyway, we, we know that, right? Yeah. That's, not, that's not a surprise. That in. Do you guys feel that... Now that uh, Kapanen has been demoted to the third line, do you feel like it's time for maybe Dubis? We talk about Babcock making some changes. Do you think it's time for Dubis to say, hey, what's the point of paying a guy three million bucks to play in our third or fourth line? We'll see where he is when Hyman comes back. Maybe we maybe it's time to change this Kapanen money into a defenseman somehow creatively. Do you guys think it's time for that? Not yet. I'd I'd say let's see where we are in January. Mm-hmm. He'll take his time. I think he'll I think he'll evaluate the team. Did they score. John Tavares makes wow. it four three. Wow, nephew John. I think he'll take his time this year. I think he'll like I said he'll wait until Hyman's back. He'll wait until Dermot's back. They'll have to make some roster changes at that point. Send some guys down to create room for them. Um, but I think you'll see changes by the deadline. If they're struggling and they're 
close or they're out of a playoff spot, you'll definitely see a trade. I think you you mentioned earlier, Dermot is a big part of the defense, and we'll see how his progression is Hutchinson, this season as well. Out of the net, empty net with two minutes and four seconds left. Classic Babs, eh? Just the empty net. Pisses me off. They didn't even have... Uh, they were just exiting their zone. Are you watching the game? Yeah, it keeps freezing on me, though. Where are you watching it? Phone. How? Streamed. <laughs> Where? Illegally. On his BlackBerry. NHLstream.net. <laughs> well, that's, that sounds like a dusty... Classic. That's a dusty URL right You're there. You're getting a nice... Uh, Virus. Fish, mal- malware. My phone's going to probably just be taken over by someone like overseas. <laughs> Don't worry, you have that BlackBerry security, though. You're good. Yeah, the BlackBerry, You're though. fine. Brian still rocks the BlackBerry no, phone. No, but... Going back to what we were just talking about with, with Dubas, um, I don't think you'll see any moves until the deadline. If Nylander, if Nylander continues to play well, you're going to see him get some calls on him for sure. Yeah, it's just, I, I that don't know how much longer I can really take having Martin Marincin on the team. <laughs> and I, I, I know Dermot's going to be the guy in, and Marincin will probably be the guy out. And who knows, maybe when Dermot comes back in, maybe Sandine gets called back up later in the season. Or Lilligren. But I, I don't think it's – I think it's something that the Leafs should consider. Add some depth to your back end because, hey, you might get another injury. It's a long season. You might get an injury in the playoffs. I think adding a, a, a reliable defenseman is a key aspect for this team. And, yeah, Dermot might be that reliable defenseman, but I still don't think they're deep enough on the back end, even with Dermot into this lineup. So I think it's something that they should at least look at. Potential I, suitors for Capitan and turning Capitan's money into a reliable defenseman. You can get reliable defensemen for two to three million bucks. They've had possession for two minutes, not one shot. Well, that's enlightening. 20 seconds to go. Leafs are down 4-3. It's not so, one shot in two minutes. Oh, 10 seconds to so, go. Over. Yeah, that's it. Unbelievable. The amount of pressure they just had with not one shot on net. Four, three, and one. So the Leafs. They're a 500 team. Lose four, three to the Washington Capitals after having a two, nothing lead. Again, another blowing lead on a, on the second half of a back to back with your backup in net. As we close off the show, how about a backup goalie? I don't think that's the problem. It's well, a problem it's, if you're planning on playing Anders in 50 games. It's a problem if your defense sucks. That's it's, that's the problem. If you're looking for 30 games out of your backup, it's a problem. That's a possibility. Well, don't, don't they want to load manage? Yeah, but you can't load manage if, you're, if you can't put your backup in on a Wednesday night against who knows who. Yeah, it's an issue. They might need to look into a better backup because if if defense is not your thing – you need you need a backup who's going to stop the puck because I think I think twenty games is the magic number for a backup this year. They want to keep Anderson around sixty, maybe even below. I heard 60. fifty. Yeah, I heard maybe even like fifty-five, fifty-eight. Yeah. Like, he's been averaging in the sixties, and they say they want to reduce has, it further. Yeah, maybe they want to reduce it. For, they want to reduce it further, so they might, that's maybe twenty-five, thirty games that that your backup's going to have to play. And if your backup is not bailing you out some nights because your defense. Your defensive coverage as a team is brutal. But I want to see... And you got to look elsewhere. you got to look for another goalie. I want to see a backup mm-hmm. playing... Like, if the, if the Leafs have a schedule, they're playing Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. 
give the backup the Wednesday game, for example, and give Anderson rest from Monday to Saturday. That's another thing that we need yeah. to see Babcock do is not just stick to the back-to-backs. Get a little creative on when you should... You know when you should put in Michael Hutchinson? When they're facing Minnesota. I was just going to say... That's how you build confidence, pick right? Pick your spots better. Pick your spots. Pick your spots Don't better. just... Back he to, should be playing against Washington. Back to back? To You're playing him against Washington? Yeah. It's an unfair position for him. I don't think he wants to... Put him against cause... teams he can succeed against. That's how you build confidence. Yeah. Do you remember... Like late 2000s to basically 2014, 2015, the Leafs always faced backup goalies. Almost, it felt like every game the team was just putting their backup goalie in because they wanted to build confidence for their That's goalie right. and they, they knew we were a weaker team. And their goalie did build confidence. Yeah, they're always a shutout, like 60 saves, yeah. like Dwayne Rolison style. <laughs> oh. So it's, it's not like those, all those teams were playing back to backs. They got creative. They played a garbage team, they put a backup goalie in that. Who's the greasiest goalie you've seen stone the Leafs? In recent memory, Dwayne Rolison, but there's been some bad ones. I know he wasn't like too much of a he was a grit grinder. Goalie, maybe respect. Well, yeah, Dwayne Rolison was, but Archer Zerbe has got to be the greasiest the goalie guy. that I can remember to ever just lock down, shut down. Sorry, the Leafs. I know he was pretty respected in the league, but those pads and that ugly-ass helmet. That bucket is one of the most legendary buckets ever. Like, I mean, uh, if you're going to shut us down, at least be, at least look the part. I've heard stories of, of like, you know, obviously pro NHL players that played with him that said he would bring his pads and gloves on the plane and, like, stitch them up himself at the back. <laughs> so he would just sit there by himself, listen to music, and just stitch his own ugly white pads that were just black from pucks hitting it. I remember them being brown. I don't know if I just had that image in my head. They were probably just dirty. They were were supposed to be pitch white, but they were just black from all the pucks that kept hitting them. I remember seeing, uh, like, hockey cards and, like, old Leaf throwback games of him playing with, like, the Sharks. And he was, I swear to God, he's wearing the same equipment as, like, 92, 93. I don't think he switched. He just kept stitching it back up. You know, like, we were talking earlier with, with Tavares about... Uh, Sid and his jock. I'm sure Archer Zerbe had the same pads for like 30 years. Let's let's try and land him. Who's your favorite Leafs backup of all time? It's got to be Healy. <laughs> <laughs> be. As soon as he said that, I just thought of the picture we yeah. took with him last it's year. Gotta, it's got to be Healy. <laughs> I can remember him going in net and like watching as like a young kid. He's like, God, we're going to lose tonight. Okay, for but sure. why was Healy? <laughs> if Healy was in net, it was always a loss. Oh, why? Yeah. So the, why is Healy your guy? Why was your favorite backup? Because of that, and just because of like his his whole gear situation, like the the old like bucket, circa like Chris Osgood, you know I don't know why those goalies had those Dan Cluche, horrible Osgood, Cooper buckets and stuff back in the nineties two thousands. But whenever I, I picture know, about watching it on Leafs TV and shit back in the day, and like just you know it was gonna be a loss. Two things when you mentioned Glenn Hughes that have come to my mind: one are losses. <laughs> Two was that puck getting wedged in his helmet against Philadelphia like a long time ago. <laughs> if you guys remember that. I want to have him on to talk about that. Like just how the heck did that like – Just uh, you got to pull up an image of this thing. The Just wedged right in that bucket. There's been some ridiculously greasy backup goalies for the Leafs. Tom Barrasso. Can I say my favorite before you go down that yeah. list? Okay, first of all, Curtis McElhinney because the save he made 
Pittsburgh. to get the Leafs Pittsburgh. against Pittsburgh, which Jordan thought was a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to bring that up. It, the other one, it's... Corey Schwab. Yeah. yeah. Because Belfour went down. I don't know if it was the 2001, 2002 season, but Belfour went down with an injury, and Corey Schwab just came in. I think he got like 10 wins. Beauty. So anyway, you can continue on your list. Yeah, 12, bro. 10, and 5 as a Leaf. Corey, Corey Schwab. Schwab. What's Healy's record? Owen fourteen. Stand by. I just saw his name too. Oh my. So he played from ninety eight to two thousand one. Twenty three, thirty, and five. With a point eight eight seven and two point nine one goals oh against. God, wow. It's pretty bad. Holy. That is pretty ridiculous. Who was that goalie? Remember the remember the year where I think it was the year of the lockout? Was it the year after the lockout? Or before the lockout, I can't remember. Were the Leafs missed by one point, and they yeah. had and Jersey had to win on the things Wade Dublowitz. on uh, yeah. Easter. Scott Clemenson. Wade Dublowitz, Dublowitz was the Islanders goalie. Dublowitz was the Islanders goalie. Yeah. Wasn't Clemenson on the, the Jersey goalie? On Jersey, remember Jer- they, they benched Broder. They benched Broder. And we were, I was so mad at that. But uh, yeah, Clemenson was, Clemenson was Jersey, and yeah, Dublowitz. There's some other good ones that you sort of forget about. Like Ben Scrivens, uh, Anthony and I met a while ago. Wow. He was a super nice guy. But some other like promising names that went nowhere, UC Rhinus. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that tall uh, Mort? <laughs> <laughs> who's that? who's the, the the backup that – it was probably Clemenson, but Marty Broder's backup for like 15 years. Yeah, it was Clemenson. Was it Clemenson? Was it Clemenson? Yeah. Scott Clemenson. Yeah, someone else. Just Marty Broder's backup. Trevor Kidd with that long flow. I didn't mind Trevor Kidd. He, he looked 12, like he, 15, and 4. Trevor Kidd always looked like he just came from a rock concert. 3.17 goals against. Pads. I, like the, I like his pads and his mitt and stuff. Yeah, there's been some greasy. Kidd. Jonas Enroth was terrible. Sebastian Cemento. Anyway. Dying? We're going down a greasy uh, list of Rapid goalies right now, right but now. I'd say we should wrap up. We should throw out a quick uh, little uh, thing on our social media. We should ask the listeners, who's your favorite Leaf goalie? infamous backup goalie, the whether it's the Leafs or in goalie. the NHL? Throw, throw a poll up here. Deal. We wrap Shall up we? Here? Yeah. yeah Chris Terreri. That's who I was thinking Who's of. that? Martin Broder is backup. Chris Terreri. I don't even know. I don't, I don't, I don't remember, remember him. Johan Hedberg. Yeah, I remember Johan Hedberg. Anyway, we'll have to pick up this conversation another time and just talk not only like favorite goalies of the past, but just infamous ex Leafs, as me and Brian used to call them. Let's call it. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to Purposely Offside Leafs. Lose 4 2, sorry, 4 3, sorry, to the Washington Capitals. Got to start beating some good teams here. We'll check in with you guys next week. Take it easy. See ya.